spoke to me so clearly the other day, and I'm really excited to share it. Um, so, you know, since the beginning of this year, Tommy and I have been talking about vision, right? What God's doing, what he's doing in each of our lives, what he's doing for us as a community. And the other week, I think it was last week or Monday, you know, this past Monday, I was having a really tough day. I felt really oppressed. I was anxious, like just weird type of emotions that I don't usually feel. And I felt very heavy all day long and just frustrated. And I was like, God, what are you doing? Like, this is, this feels like I'm under attack or something's going on. Like, I don't know why I'm feeling all these emotions and especially anxiety, which I don't usually feel anxious. And I felt extreme anxiety all day long. My heart was beating fast. I burst into tears multiple times during the day for no reason, that type of thing. So the next morning, I'm spending time with God, and I'm like, what the heck was that all about, Lord? And what are we doing here? And I think that the part of my anxiety was maybe based out of feeling like, uh, are we doing what you're actually wanting us to do? You know, because I, I really... We emphasize this all the time. We want to be obedient. You know, the, the scripture says, unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers labor in vain who build, right? So we do not want to be just doing our own thing. We want to be accurate, targeted, hearing God, doing what he's saying. And I needed reassurance of what God was saying and what we should be doing. So I was talking to him and I, I was, you know, we had talked about relationship with Jesus, right? How's your relationship with Jesus going? Um, like in a marriage, you're able to share like intimate details of your relationship. How is it with Jesus? You know, is it strictly religious, do like just do's and don'ts? Like, oh yeah, I've done checklists, da, 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 da. That's not real relationship, right? If you were like that with your spouse or anyone in really in like intimate relationship, that would not go over well. Like, oh, but honey, I did X, Y, and Z for you. Don't you know? Like, isn't that enough? Now it's my time. <laughs> it doesn't go over well, right? You would, you're in it for a, a deeper commitment and covenant relationship. Same with the Lord. So I w all that to say, I was expressing my frustration to Jesus and my relationship with him. And I'm like, why the heck are we here and what are we doing? And I heard him very clearly say, you're obeying me. And I said, yeah, I understand that, God. Like, I will always obey you, but I want to know what are we doing here and what are you doing here more so? Like, I want to know. We've been here for almost two years. What are you doing and why are we here? And he said, you're obeying me. And I said, I know I'm obeying you, but can you give me something else, like, beyond that? Because I will obey you no matter what. We'll, we'll be here forever. You know what? That doesn't matter. Because it's our delight to obey him, right? But it's always nice when he shares something more. And he gives a little more like, but also this is happening, right? So we went back and forth. He said that three times to me. And I was like, are you, uh, is this how this is going to end today? And then all of a sudden he s gave me this picture in my mind of, and reminded me of a scripture. And he said, Wesley, when the Pharisee, when Jesus came, the Pharisees, and the Jews had been praying and fasting and waiting for Jesus to come for hundreds and hundreds, well, since the beginning of time, right? They knew that he was going to come. All the prophecies were going to, were coming out. He was coming and they were waiting and watching and praying and things were getting worse and worse and worse. And so they were like, come Lord quickly, 
come quickly. You need to save us. You need to take us out of this situation. And when Jesus came in response to that, you know, the plan was that he's going to come and this is what's going to happen. They rejected him because they didn't like how he came. You know, we've talked about this before. They said, nope, that you're not it. We're going to wait for something else. And they're still waiting till this day because they were not willing to change or see Jesus as the fulfillment of what they were looking for. And the Lord began to speak to me about us as a community. We, we're standing right on the wall as watchmen, gathering as believers, and we want revival. I mean, in uh, Jay said it when he walked in this morning, and I was like, that's prophetic. That's, you know, whether you were joking or not, I believe it was the Spirit, because I was like, that's exactly it. We want revival. We want people to encounter the living God. It's not about anything other than that. Right? We're not about numbers. We're about people getting saved, touched, encountered by his presence, like coming out of darkness into light. That's what we desire. We want to see it in the food pantry. We talk about that all the time where people are coming in heavy hearted, depressed, bound, broken, sick, diseased even. And we want my greatest desire is to see revival hit them, the presence of God knock them out of the park and then say, whoa, right? This is what we've been living for. And that's what we desire here as a community. But what if, what if the way that he wanted to bring it was different than what we were expecting? What if he wanted something to change and he said, this is how I want it to come? Would we say, no, we don't want it that way. We're going to keep waiting for revival to come the way we think it should come. Or would we embrace, would be the, we be the ones that embraced Jesus when he came the way that he came and said, oh, it doesn't matter. Even if we thought it was going to be this way, it's obviously we were wrong. We're going to embrace what he's bringing. We're going to embrace who he is. And when the Lord spoke that to me on Monday morning or Tuesday morning, I think it was, I thought, oh, my gosh, I think we need to change everything. And I had been honestly been feeling this for a while. I'd been feeling this for years since we've got here, that something needed to change, something needed to shift, even just the way that we gather together. How is it going to look? I felt like, you know, we're doing this, and this is pleasing. You know, he loves it. He loves when we worship and gather together. But what is it? There's something. So... Before I get into that, I'm going to read from Luke 4. And this is just to give a picture of what I just shared, of what Jesus spoke to me. Luke 4, starting in verse 14. Jesus had just come out of the wilderness, right, in the power of the Holy Spirit. So this is the beginning of his public ministry, of him coming out and saying, Bam, here I am, Son of God, come to save you, right? Even though he didn't do it like that. But I'm just imagining, like, spiritually, he's like, Oh, the lion. So anyway, it says in verse 14, And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through all the surrounding districts. And he began teaching in their synagogues and was praised by all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, so his hometown. And as he was, was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. 
And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and he opened the book, and he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. He closed the book. Uh, Just imagine this, Jesus, just like, bam, that's me. And he says, today, he gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. He basically says, here I am. They knew that that prophecy was about the coming Messiah. He opens the book to Isaiah, reads it, and he sits down and he says, here it is. It's fulfilled. That must have been crazy in that moment. Crazy. Thousands of years of waiting, praying, hearing prophecies, 400 years of silence, no word from the Lord, and then all of a sudden, bam, fulfillment. That's crazy. All all were speaking well of him and wondering at the gracious words which were falling from his lips. And they were saying, is this not Joseph's son? And he said to them, no doubt you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we heard was done at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. And he said, truly I say to you, no prophet is welcomed in his hometown. But I say to you in truth, There were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the sky was shut up for three years and six months when a great famine came over the land and yet Elijah was sent to none of them but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet and none of them were cleansed but only Naaman the Syrian. And all the people in the synagogue were filled with rage as they heard these things. And they got up and drove him out of the city and led him to the brow of the hill on which their city had been built in order to throw him off the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went on his way. And he came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee. He was teaching them on the Sabbath. They were amazed at his teaching for his message was with authority and then he cast out a demon, right, in that context. So going back, he, he's there. He's reading this scripture. He was there in that moment at the right time. He knew in the synagogues they read in, in an order of books and an order of scriptures constantly. So he, the timing of that, right, he, he went into the wilderness for 40 days, came out, the Sabbath was happening, and he knew it would be the book of Isaiah and that he would be the one to read. He gets up, reads it, says, today it's been filled, and everybody's like, whoa, this is awesome. Like, he's the one. He's so gracious with his words falling from his lips. They're praising him, loving him, and he was not about the praise of man, right? He was not there to feel like, oh, yeah, tell me more how much you love me. No, he knew what was in their hearts, and he said, I'm going to show you what's in your hearts. He said, you'd say this proverb to me, physician, heal yourself. But then he goes on to say, no prophet is welcome in his hometown. No, those two examples he gives about Elijah and Elisha, major prophets, right, in the Old Testament, 
in Elijah's time, the, the it didn't rain for three and a half years because the Lord told Elijah to pray that it would stop rain. So as a sign from God. And then when he prayed, it rained again. But what he's saying there, he says, there were many widows in Israel, meaning the people of God, right? There were many widows, but Elijah didn't go to any of those widows that were Jews. He went to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, meaning a Gentile woman, to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of Elisha, the other prophet, but he didn't go to the people of God. He went to the Gentiles. So that's an enraging statement. Basically, he was saying the Jews were not being obedient and following what I was asking. I was they were not in faith and obedience. When Elijah went to that woman, she was the only one. If you remember, there was this major famine and he entered this woman's house and says, give me what you have. What did she do? She said, well, I, ha I don't have anything. It's famine. I have just this little thing and this little thing, and my babies are crying, and blah, 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 blah. We have no food, hunger, famine. But she gave it to him. Elijah made, she made bread, and he multiplied it in her house as a sign and a wonder to bless her faith and her giving. Now, there were not one Jew that he found that would do that. It was he had to go to a Gentile who had faith and obedience. And the same with the leper. He's saying, I'm not going to just come to you because you're my people, because I've set my name upon you. I'm going where there's faith and obedience. And in your hometown, he said, Elijah and Elisha, major prophets that were respected years later, but in their day, they were rejected. He said prophets are not welcome in their hometown by their own people. Basically, he's saying, here I am, the son of God. I've just announced to you that I've fulfilled this, and you're going to reject me. And what happens? Immediately filled with rage, they run him out to a cliff to try to push him off the edge. Can you imagine that? His very first coming out speaking ministry after being in the desert. He could have kept them loving him and done lots of signs and wonders to keep them loving him. But he said, this is not the way I came. That's not what I came to do. I came to seek and save what was lost. I'm coming in a different way than you expect. Do you want it or don't you? Do you want this your way or do you want this my way? Because if you want it your way, it's not going to come. You're going to be waiting and waiting like the Pharisees and the Jews till this day waiting for a Messiah. Can you even believe that? I, I mean, when I think about that, that amazes me that there are Jews today, 2,000 years after their Messiah has already come, and they're still waiting in hopes that he'll come. <gasps> That's heartbreaking absolutely heartbreaking but it was because they did not want him the way that he came and this struck me so hard that i'm like lord i don't want that we don't want any of that right i i know everyone in here because i know us 
and we're in relationship that each one of us would be like, heck, we'll change anything. Whatever he wants, we'll do because we want him. We want him to come. We want him to come in power. And even if it makes us uncomfortable, because that's what happened. He made people very uncomfortable. He made sinners feel comfortable and the righteous feel very uncomfortable or the religious of the day feel very uncomfortable. And in my life, in my experiences with God, you know, I'm always like, it does not feel nice to be uncomfortable, but I know it produces good. So make me uncomfortable. Stretch me, God. Push me into who you are. I do not want to grow comfortable because then I'm not changing. I'm not being challenged. I'm not going deeper. And I'm not knowing you more, right? And, and being pushed into a place of you're uncomfortable. You press into God and say, okay, that's what happened to me the beginning of this week. I felt very uncomfortable. I was feeling anxious. I was feeling heavy. I was feeling oppressed. And what did it do? It pushed me in to here. It pushed me into a place of saying, God, what are you doing? I don't feel good. My be like I feel oh, like tension and strife and what are you doing? And he responds. You ask and keep on asking and he responds. So I shared with Tommy and we've prayed about it and he had felt sensed certain things as well. He had done a fast at the beginning of this year and had come over to the church and prayed a couple of times just by himself. And he really, he came back over and he one day specifically had been over here praying and he comes back over and he's like, we need to change. Why don't we do this? We need to change. And I was like, okay, like, all right, let's see what the Lord does. But I think it's just been this confirmation that he's been dropping these little seeds and saying change. Now, do we know exactly what that looks like? No. And that's kind of exciting, right? That's to me, that's the exciting part. Because, you know, we gather here on Sundays just because that's a convenient day. It's a normal day for people to gather together. There's nothing biblical about gathering on Sunday. Um, we gather because it's a convenient day. We, we structure our service just how churches typically structure their services. There's nothing biblical about it, actually. It's fine. It's not bad. But we're thinking from moving forward. I mean, the next couple of weeks, my mom's going to be here. Hudson's going to be here ministering, get bringing a word. But we we're this is what we're thinking, right? We don't actually feel like we have super clear direction on how it's going to look, which is the exciting part. But we're thinking of just coming and gathering to worship and pray and seek God's face together to hear him for what he has for us because we want revival. And, and Tommy and I, firm believers, and we've said this so many times, that we want everybody to hear together. It's not just us and then us saying, well, this is what we hear, and so we're doing it. We want everybody to hear what is God saying, what's he doing, and how can we do that together? What's the vision in your heart? What's he speaking to you? How are we supposed to gather together? How can we hear him more? It's so important for us to get into the word, to know him more. And that's been, I think, extremely vital for us the past almost two years that we've been here. We've dug into the word in a lot of different ways for different themes. But there's something he's wanting to shift. And so we wanted to just encourage everybody today to go and pray about that. Ask God yourself even, what do you have, God? What do you want to change in me? 
What do you, what do you want to change in our church family? Is there something that we're supposed to change? If he says, no, there's nothing to change, that's fine. You're doing what you're doing, that's fine. We'll go with it. But we want to take a moment to step back and say, no, we're not going to just do things because that's how we've always done them. If he wants to come in a different way, if he wants to do something differently, we're open to it. Show us, God. Does that make sense? And um, so I think that, that to me it's so exciting because the analogy that he gave me, I was like, wait a second. Jesus was there. So wait a second. Are you saying this is like right here, ready? Like it's here and all we got to do is embrace it, embrace the change, and then it's here? Like that is for me over-the-top exciting, like, heck, I'll change anything. What do you, you know, do you want to meet outside? Do you want us to meet inside? Like, I'll change anything if you'll come in power, if you'll come in signs and wonders and miracles like we've been hoping, right? Wouldn't any of us be like, heck, yes, whatever you say we'll do. If that means, like, on a Sunday going out and talking to people or, I don't know, praying, I, I, there's a variety of things we could do. We could eat together. We could you know, whatever. <laughs> There's so many different things. But to start, like, we'll have the cu- next couple of weeks to pray about it together as a community. Um, we'll have a couple of people here to bring a message. I, I'm praying that God gives them prophetic words to confirm what he's already speaking, because that's always cool, right? So I'm not going to share anything. I haven't shared anything with my mom or my brother, and I won't. Um, they're, they both hear God, so I'm kind of just like, I don't want to because I want them to come and say something and all of us be like, yes, you know, that's so cool when that happens. And then we're just going to move forward, led by the spirit into the new year, because what we're creating here is family. We're creating a culture that is um, submitted to the leadership of Jesus and his spirit and not just doing things to do them. Right. We want that. And I know everyone here desires that. Um, So anyway, I'm going to just pray. And really, I really want to encourage everybody in the next couple of weeks to be praying into this. Pray, uh, you know, uh, that my mom or Hudson, even when they come, that they have a word. Pray that they'd be sensitive. Pray that they'd confirm. If you're feeling any like, oh, I don't know about that, pray. Ask God about it. Have him confirm it to you. Like, I feel so convinced of it because of what he showed me and i know that he's he delights to show us you know even what he released this morning in worship how he loves us he was singing it back to us you're beautiful you're lovely you're the one i want you're the one i need you're the one i desire the things we sing to him he was singing back to us that's so beautiful he's so good So, Father, we're just here this morning again, and we're thankful, God, that you love to be here with us, and we love to be here with you. Lord, we're so thankful for each person that you've brought into this church family, God, for Heather and Kia and Jeremy and Janet, Jade and Marie, Stephen and Kayla, myself, Tommy, God, Heather, Eric, God, we just thank you for each one that you've brought here at different times to be part of this community, uh, Beth and Lily, Jesus. We just thank you for all of them, God, and what you're doing. And we just pray, God, that you would confirm and confirm and confirm your word over the next couple of weeks 
that each one of us, we'd have clarity to hear what you're saying, that you'd give excitement for what's to come, anticipation, that you'd speak to us through your word, and that we would be, yeah, this the excitement of knowing that you're here and we can embrace you. We want to embrace you. We want to embrace your ways above anything else because you're awesome and we want you, God. Um, Father, I just pray for Janet this morning as well as she's has such a different schedule. I pray that as she rests, that she would be refreshed, really deeply refreshed in her physical body, mentally, emotionally. Every part of her would be touched by your spirit this morning, um, and she would be in such a deep sleep that when she wakes up, she would feel it refreshed, and she would even say to Jeremy, wow, that was a great sleep, and he would be like, we prayed for you. Father, I pray just these testimonies of your goodness towards us, towards our family, would come out time and time again. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.